0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Particular Baptist Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vincent. You can find us and other podcasts at reformpodcast.com. Also, check out our blog at theparticularbaptist.net. All right, so we're trying something a little bit different today. I'm not only streaming to Facebook and YouTube, but I'm also streaming to Instagram, StreamYard, which is the platform that I use for streaming and and recording our podcast announced Yesterday that Instagram was now a platform we could direct uh, directly stream to. So I'm excited to be able to tap into the audience. And I hope that uh, it, everything works on that side and we can uh, start streaming to Instagram more often. So uh, we'll see how this works. I did some tests yesterday. The quality isn't as great, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe we get better over time. Uh, Brother Keith. Good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for tuning in today. All right. So today we're going to be kind of, again, more topical like we've been uh, over the past maybe two or three episodes. And this is kind of my second run of podcasting this week. I've not only doing my podcast, but I was on another podcast last night. I'll be uh, posting that to the channels uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, but discussing covenant theology with Khalil Jones on the Why Theology podcast had a really good discussion there. So that will be coming as well. So it's been a busy week of podcasting. Uh, So hopefully I get a little bit of a breather uh, after today. But I want to talk a little bit about or some about um, the Christian life really isn't complicated. And that might seem kind of cliched or kind of corny, but it really isn't. A complicated venture in terms of living the Christian life. It is not complicated when we look at the bare bones aspect of what the Christian life entails and what the Christian life really is uh, based upon, right? And I think that when we're looking at things like the gospel, uh, I think sometimes we forget the simplicity of the gospel. We forget the simplicity of the message and then how that simplicity of Being saved carries over into the simplicity of how we're to live, right? Because sometimes I I think we tend to add things to our lives that can make our Christian lives more complicated than they need to be than simply just living via the means that God has ordained, which is, uh, you know, by faith in light of the gospel. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. And I was <laughs> I was scrambling this morning to try and find my notes. I had my notes up, and I could not find them in my folder. So I I'm going to be kind of working from my phone today. So hopefully my uh, it won't seem as very wooden, uh, but we'll we'll work our way through it here. Um, but the key passage I want to look at today is Hebrews 11. Now this is Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this is, uh, you know, in that hall of fame of faith, so to speak, where you have all of these saints that are being discussed and listed out as it relates to how uh, they lived before God, they lived by faith in God. And so you can see this mindset of living by faith that mm-hmm. our our actions flow from God uh, you know from the the concept of, of faith in god okay but this is ultimately not a dead faith right it's not it's not a faith that's just a mere ascension to something or just acknowledging that god exists or yeah i believe in god but i don't live like it right it's uh, i'm just acknowledging the fact that god exists that's not what we're talking about here what we're talking about here is a grasping of the truths of the Word of God, the Gospel. Okay, this Gospel that we've been given by God that saves—that does—that we do not contribute anything toward in terms of our uh, salvation. But God has given us this this Gospel. So we have a Gospel that saves from sin, and then we have a Gospel that is the foundation for how we are um, to live. And if we look at Second Corinthians four six. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So there is this sense where you do see uh, God is the, the mover of our salvation. He is not somebody that is passive as it relates to salvation. God is the one who is moving in our salvation and he brings those things uh, to us in a way that we cannot contribute to our own salvation so the foundation of our salvation is of God and the foundation of how we live is from God so nothing that I can add to that nothing that I can bring to the table is going to uh, add to that foundation that we have in Christ by being united to him in terms of how we live and how we uh, how we act okay So if we're looking at this gospel, we have in this passage here, and this is somewhat of a repeat from a previous episode I did, but I do think that there's a lot of principles that we can apply here that we have to somewhat repeat, right? So if we look at 2 Corinthians 4, 6, like I said, for God has commanded, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So contextually here in chapter three, we see Paul talking about the new covenant. He's bringing out the new covenant here for us to to see and to understand. If we look at um, chapter three, seven through 11, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not uh, steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For it is the ministry of condemnation, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in its respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So there is a distinction being made here between uh, the old and the new covenants. You see the old and the new covenants coming uh, into play here as it relates to um, our salvation. So that's the context that he's given here. We are under, you know, this this glorious uh, new covenant. This was made glorious, right? If the passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So something is much better than what we had before. And this would be the gospel as found in the new covenant. And what is passing away is that old covenant that we no longer, uh, you know, are under or even the Jews were under that old covenant doesn't apply. The new covenant is really uh, what we're sitting under now. And that sets the stage for what Paul is going to bring out here in second Corinthians uh, chapter four. And then he moves on in, in chapter four. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of the, this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ, who is the image of God. Oh, lost my place here. Who is the image of God should shine on them. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your bond servants, for Jesus' sake. This is Second Corinthians four, uh, three through five. Okay, so he's not being deceitful in his ministry. He's not blinding the people. You know, acting like the one who is blinded uh, the people from the gospel the gospel has been made known to the Corinthian church and it was preached in full it's the god of this age that has blinded those who do not hear the truth okay but then he moves in into the the passage at hand here discussing what the gospel is in terms of at least in terms of its power right god is the one who saves us by the work of jesus christ and this is likened to the uh, the ex nihilo creation of light shining into darkness from the book of Genesis. This is likened to God's work and initiative in creation. So just like God's work and initiative in creation is what saves and brought light into darkness. When we were living in darkness, we see salvation, or or, I'm sorry, as it relates to creation, where God bringing light into darkness in uh, in the seven days of creation, it's paralleled with God shining his light into our darkness as lost sinners. So it's completely God's initiative. It's completely God's work. It's not something that we do on our own merit because we would continue to live in darkness if God had not shown his light and created light out of nothing, so to speak, as he did when he created the heavens and the earth in those seven days in the book of Genesis. So the parallel is being made here by Paul do that, and that strips away any kind of boasting that we might have. There's no boasting that we have in Christ in that gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the central theme of that gospel. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to be able to uh, you know, have our standing before God changed as it relates to Uh, as it relates to our salvation, it's all of God, all of grace. And that light is shining forth in the darkness. It's God's initiative. And he's the one who's bringing uh, his people into that new covenant. And in fact, like we talked about this with, I talked about this with Khalil on, on his podcast yesterday is that because we're in the new covenant, those benefits of that covenant are completely ours by virtue of what Jesus did. It is a covenant of works fulfilled There's the covenant of works with Adam fulfilled by Christ so that we are now receiving those benefits by virtue of what Jesus did. It is not something that I'm doing to merit eternal life. It's God's initiative through and through covenantally, how the gospel comes through to us, the Spirit's work in us. All of that is God's initiative. And that's the foundation and the springboard into how we uh, live our lives, right? And that becomes the foundation for how we're to live. We're made new creatures, we're changed in Jesus Christ, and we receive all those benefits. In fact, everything, all, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, the scriptures say, are ours in Christ Jesus. So as we are united to him covenantally, those blessings become ours in him. And the spirit becomes our guarantee so that we are uh, made like Jesus Christ in some sense we're. We're transformed and we are on that journey to become more holy and become more like our lord and we receive those benefits by virtue of christ who is our covenant head and so that really is you know part of the the glorious news of the gospel that christ did it all not only with his death burial, and resurrection but with the obedience that comes by faith that he imputes to us so that we are uh, you know, made right before god we're able to say and stand before god in a way that is uh, that is pleasing to him, so I think that this is uh, something very important that we have to to keep in mind here, uh, as we're discussing how we're to live in light of that gospel and actually understand that gospel. That's very very important if we're to uh, you know to continue in this discussion of how we're to live appropriately, right? All right. so looking that's a little bit of overview of the gospel itself federal theology thanks for tuning in hey brother you said hey brother hey brother good to see you hope you're doing well thanks for tuning in today all right so continuing on here so you know we we looked a little bit up at the gospel itself right the gospel first corinthians 15:1, very clear that the death bone resurrection of christ is central to the message of the gospel Obviously, there's more implied there, but the central basic message of the gospel is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, right? His death and resurrection, that is the central uh, message of the gospel. And that is what transforms us by the spirit, by the power of God. It's God's initiative shining his light in our hearts. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. God's glorious gospel has saved us it's his initiative in his gracious work overall and or all completely all his gracious work and so we have to uh, continue to live in light of that and that is the basis of how we live so for to look at how we live what does that mean in terms of not complicating our christian like I, you know the like the title of this is the christian life isn't complicated it really isn't when you boil it down right if the gospel in terms of how we are saved is simple right? Then living that Christian life shouldn't be complicated by our own rules, regulations, preferences, uh, in terms of adding to the simplicity of the gospel message. We have to be very careful about that. And I think we tend to make our lives much more complicated than we need it to be, because we tend to have, I think, this idea that the Christian life is too simple, right? Wait. Right. if all I do is is I need to live by faith and the gospel is the foundation of that, then I mean, it can't be that simple. I have to do something else to complicate it. Right. Oh, I got to I got I to gotta do X, Y and Z or God isn't going to favor me. Or I got to do X, Y and Z or I'm not going to be able to, uh, you know, do what I need to do to to honor God. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches in Hebrews 11, we live by faith. The gospel is that foundation and basis for our faith, and it it's transformative in our lives. That is the foundation for how we're to live, not my own preferences, rules, regulations that I hold on par with scripture as if they are scripture, or as if they are the same authority as the word of God. That's not what we're to do. We're to live in light of that gospel and walk in a way that is uh, pleasing to him um looking a little bit more here at uh at the book of Hebrews so we saw uh, Hebrews 11:6 that we cannot please God without faith our faith uh is nothing or I'm sorry our actions are nothing without true faith in God and again this is not a bare accession, you know just a, approval of the reality of Christ or acknowledgement of the historical Jesus or that God exists in a general sense. That's not what's being talked about here. This is a real saving faith that embraces the gospel, embraces the promises of God as found in the gospel and rests in them. Right. And if you look at the, the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11, you're going to see that principle come out even more. And I think we see this very clearly as it relates to Noah. If we look at the very next verse in Hebrews 11, verse seven, it says by faith, Noah being and this is after the writer of Hebrews has said that you cannot please God without faith. Right. And now he's giving examples to prove his point. So the first example he gives here uh, after this verse is Noah. So he says, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So this is clearly not some bare ascension, ascension of you know Jesus Christ's uh, existence or his, uh, or his even his deity. Just in a bare factual sense, uh, it's it's not that at all. We see, um, we see an embracing of the gospel because it says that Noah became an heir of righteousness. That is by faith. He became an heir of righteousness that is, by faith. So he clearly was justified before God by his obedience, by his faith, right? By virtue or not by virtue of, but in terms, by means of his faith, by virtue of a Christ did. Uh, so this is a saving faith. This is not living a light of a, a mere, acknowledgement of Jesus or believing quote unquote in the historical Jesus. This is embracing the gospel as is found in scripture. Now, of course, with the old Testament saints, they weren't believing in the same way uh, that we were in as much as they had the full message. They didn't, you know, have uh, all of the, the details of who Jesus was worked out. They didn't have a full understanding of that covenant theology but they did understand the promise. They believed the promises of God, which they were pointing towards the new covenant, or the promise of the new covenant, the, and the promise of the substance of it they were holding to. Like with Abraham, it, God said that in you shall all the nations be blessed. He believed that. He was counted as righteous. That's because that's the promise of the new covenant, the promise of the gospel. He was embracing the gospel in as much as it was contained in that promise, and he was saved. So the same thing is happening here with with Noah. They're embracing the gospel. They're believing the promises of God that were uh, typological, that were shadows of what was to come. And because of that, they were saved by virtue of the the benefits of uh, that new covenant. But we do see that they were living in in light of that right now. We do see here. Noah finding grace, right? Genesis 6, 5 through 8. But Noah in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So even in in the Old Testament, we still see God showing his grace, God showing his mercy. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God was merciful to him and saved um, his family. And Noah believed God when he told him to obey, when he told him to build the ark. And Noah probably looked pretty darn silly because of his... Uh, you know there probably wasn't a big body of water that he was building the boat in and clearly there wasn't enough water for the boat to float because it took the floods to to have the boat uh float and to carry them to safety so it doesn't seem like he built that ark in a place where he was uh, where there was a lot of water so it did take faith it seems for Noah to believe God because in 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 light of this, Seemingly ridiculous request that there's going to be a flood coming. Okay, all right, God, there's a flood coming, but he believed God. He embraced the promises and he did what he said and his family uh, was saved as a result. So we do see here that proper action is flowing from this saving faith. There's no way you can have any kind of um, any kind of distinction between or any kind of division between you can't have a christian life where you say i believe in the gospel and not have obedience follow it necessarily Again, that and of course we always have to clarify that doesn't mean we're perfect we know first john one it's very clear we sin we fall we struggle with sin romans seven those things are there but there will necessarily be fruit that flows from that faith right And again, it's not a faith in looking at myself, looking at my own uh, performance. It's a faith in looking at what Christ did and living in light of that, living as a result of being changed by that gospel. That is the foundation um, of how we live. In fact, if we look at our confession of faith, and again, there's multiple examples here in Hebrews chapter 11, not just Noah. We have Abraham. We have uh, Abel who gave a, a better sacrifice. Cain did not, but it was by faith that Abel did this. He was living by faith in what God had said, and he acted accordingly because of that faith. But if we look at our Confession of Faith, chapter 13, if we look at chapter 13, paragraph 1, it says, They who are united to Christ, and this is the chapter on sanctification, they who are united to Christ, effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, this is key, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, are also farther sanctified, really and personally, through the same virtue by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The domination of the whole body of sin destroyed and the several lusts of it are more and more weakened and mortified. And they are more quickened and strengthened and all saving graces to the practice of all true holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So we live by virtue of the death and resurrection of Christ. We've touched a little bit upon this already, but Christ's death and resurrection are the foundation for how we live, right? And then the Spirit is applying that work to our hearts, making us more like Christ, working in us, producing fruit. God's Word is dwelling in us and sanctifying us and helping us to walk according to Christ. Benjamin Keach, who was one of the signers of the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, he says this about uh, about this effectual work. This is from uh, his Gospel Mysteries. He says, though a person may be never so filthy and unclean before his union with Christ, yet this union doth not leave him filthy and polluted, for he hath the righteousness of Christ imputed to him, to his justification and remission of sin. So he hath also received the Holy Spirit, creating in his soul new habits and gracious dispositions by which he is enabled and influenced to die unto sin and so live unto God, end quote. So our union with Christ in God's work not only brings us justification, but it has a transforming effect upon us. It doesn't leave you without walking in a way that is pleasing um, to God. It doesn't leave you completely, it doesn't leave you empty handed. Not only do you get the righteousness of Christ, but you're enabled to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. And in fact, Philippians says that these are works that God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. So this is how uh, we are to live uh, unto God. And you can see this principle too, in, in being in union with Christ and how that affects how we live. John 15, John 15, four through five, abide in me and I in you, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So without the Spirit's work in us, and without us being united to Jesus Christ, we can't do anything. Jesus says, apart from me you can do nothing. If you're not united to Jesus Christ, there is going to be no fruit. So we can't live in a way that is truly pleasing to God if we are not first united to Jesus Christ. And this goes back to our sorry state, right? Romans 3, starting in verse 9, where it talks about our sinful state before God, that there's none who does good, no, not one. And this is consistent with what Jesus is saying here. If I can't do what is truly righteous because I'm not united to Jesus Christ, how in the world am I going to be doing anything, be able to do anything righteous at all? I can't do anything righteous at all unless I am united to that federal head in the new covenant who is Jesus Christ. Apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. That's Those are very powerful words. We have no way of standing before God on our own righteousness because we can't even be righteous in our actions apart from what uh, be, being united to Jesus Christ. Very powerful words. That's John 15, uh, 4 through 5. So this means that even the good things that we do apart from Christ that are good, outwardly speaking, that might conform to the law of God, outwardly speaking, they're really sinful because they're not done in the right way. They're not done to glorify God. They're not done according to how the scriptures have laid these things out. So if we're not united to Jesus Christ, we're not going to be able to truly do what is righteous, let alone meet the righteous standard of God uh, and fulfill his natural law so that we can walk in a way that is pleasing to him or or even be saved at that point. So you do see this, uh, you know, this call to be united to Jesus Christ, to be grafted into the vine so that we live in a way that is pleasing to God because we cannot do nothing Apart from Christ. So, to to kind of wrap things up here, so we're looking, when we're talking about the gospel, what it is, how it's applied to us in terms of how we live, this should help us to consider how we are living our Christian lives. Are we making it more complicated than we need to be? Are we adding to what the basis is for how we're to live the Christian life? Am I, number one, am I being a legalist by? thinking that my works, my good actions as a Christian somehow earn me some brownie points with God so that I'm in better standing with him in a salvific sense. Is that the mindset that we're having? Because that's not consistent with gospel living. That's not consistent with throwing ourselves completely on Jesus Christ and resting in him so that we live in a way that is pleasing to him. That's not how we do that at all. In fact, if we, um, you know, if we're looking at what the scriptures say uh, in Galatians 5, 1. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ as man is free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So creating our own rules and legalistic regulations that somehow think that we're going to be in better standing before God, that's in antithesis to what the scriptures teach. That's actually disobedience to God. Paul is commanding us here in, in Galatians 5 to live in a way that is not being in bondage in a legalistic sense. We're not to live that way, right? And contextually speaking, he contrasts the two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant in chapter four. He talks about Sarah and Hagar and how they represent two covenants. Hagar representing the bond woman, Sarah representing the free woman, and we're no longer under the bond woman, but we're under the free woman, which is the new covenant. Because we're free in Jesus Christ, we have everything we need in him. What is there to have to fulfill anymore? There's no law to fulfill in order to please God. We live in light of what he has done for us, not the other way around. And so that's uh, the contrast that we have there. So legalism is not going to stand uh, in any way. Another way that we can uh, live that is not living in light of the gospel is by focusing so much on secondary matters and elevating them in a way that we should not be elevating them, right? We can see this issue dealt with like in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, one through four, it says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak, eats only vegetables. Let him who eats despise Oh sorry let not him who eats despise him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for God has received him who are you to judge another servant to his own master he stands or falls indeed he will be made to stand for God is able to make him to stand so Paul's here is making clear that we shouldn't be making too much of our own preferences we can have differences as christians in as much as Issues of conscience on secondary matters that are inconsequential, right? We can have differences there and we should be patient with one another in those things. The weaker brother should not be harassing or judging the stronger brother and vice versa. There's to be a patience in our differences there, especially with the stronger brother as it relates to the weaker brother. The weaker brother is to be uh, held with long suffering and graciousness, and love. That's the principle that Paul is bringing out here. So there's not to be this uh, this elevating of the weak brother's uh, preferences or his conscience issues to a level where he is saying that this is sin if the strong brother is not doing what I'm doing, right? And so they're not to judge one another, right? Not to judge. And this is having you know, it's not just a matter of, you know, I don't like this personal thing and I don't like what that person's doing. You know, I wouldn't do it that way or whatever the case might be. This is a judgment. You're making a judgment in terms of a declaration of what is righteous and what it is not. Right. And that's really, I think, the the issue that's being brought out here in Romans 14. The strong brother and the weak brother are not to do that with one another But to live in peace and long suffering with one another. But the weak brother is not to elevate his preferences to a level of God's commandments, right? Whether he stands or falls is God's prerogative. And that's what he's going to do before God. That's not your job to be figuring those things out for him in terms of making a judgment, right? The weaker brother should be able to walk in his own conscience and the strong brother needs to be patient. Then the weaker brother should not be elevating his preferences to a level that is, uh, you know, that is on par with the word of God. And I think all too often you see this in churches. Again, it, it's much easier, I think, for us to create our own rules and elevate them in an unhealthy way than it is to just live in light of the simple gospel and walk in accordance with that, and walk in accordance with being united to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we don't obey rules. God has given us commands in his word. And in fact, Jesus in John 14 said that if you do not keep my commandments, that means you don't love me. So there is an obedience that has to come. But again, it's not coming from a legalistic sense. It's coming from being changed by the gospel. We love Christ. We want to obey him. We want to please him. And, and First John says that it's not a burden. His commandments are not burdensome. We love to obey our Lord Jesus Christ because we've been transformed by him. Why wouldn't we want to obey him, right? Even if we do so imperfectly, why would our heart want to be burdened by that and and pulled away from those things? So we have to be very careful as Christians that we're not elevating our preferences to the level of scripture and judging other brethren based on our own convictions. That's very easy to do. And again, I think it's a lot easier to do that than it is to just live in light of the simple gospel. I think it's a lot easier to do that. So we have I think we have to be very, very careful that we're not falling into that that mindset that we live in light of the gospel, we walk in a way that is pleasing to him. Uh, and in doing so, we're going to truly be obeying the word of God. I mean, if, if we're not living in light of of the gospel by faith in light of being union with Christ, with the foundation being Christ's burial and resurrection, then we're not living according to how scripture has revealed to us. And uh, we need to make some adjustments, need to make some adjustments. Again, this doesn't mean we can't have convictions uh, on inconsequential matters. That's perfectly fine. The scriptures do talk about that and allow for that. Although it does say that we are to grow up Uh, in the faith and we're not to stay weak brother. And that's not an ideal place to be. Paul still makes that contrast between a strong brother and a weak brother. And we have to uh, keep those things in mind. In fact, um, I had first Peter two written down here. First Peter two, one through three. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So we're to desire the milk of the word so that we grow. It's not God's will that we remain stagnant or especially that you go back the other way. We're to obey God by desiring the meat, the milk of the word that we may grow thereby, that we may grow thereby. So. We have to, uh, you know, be walking in a way that is pleasing to God, and if there is no growth that could be a, a sign that there is no faith right I, I want to be careful because we all grow sometimes we'll grow at different rates in our Christian walk sometimes we'll grow faster sometimes we'll go slower so I want to be careful with that but if there is no growth um you know on a regular basis and it it doesn't seem like someone is learning they're not growing over time, then I think it should at least cause for concern that they don't have true because this is what a Christian does, according to 1 Peter. We obey God by growing in the word. We desire the milk of the word. We let the word rest in us. It sanctifies us. It helps us to grow. The Spirit is using that to produce fruit in us. So if we neglect those means, the word of God, then we're not going to grow um, as God has prescribed for us. So Hopefully that, you know, brings out some some helpful um, categories here as we're looking at the Christian life. Just some very practical uh, discussion today. Nothing, you know, complicated, hopefully as, uh, you know, just doing some some basic exegesis. So hopefully that that was helpful. Um, Our next episode is actually going to be kind of an off day. It's going to be on Wednesday um, Lord willing, and I'm going to be having a gentleman on, we're going to be talking about some apologetic topics. Um, one thing I want to do in the upcoming first quarter of 2024, I'm speaking in quarters. It's, it's because I deal with budgeting at my, at my job. So I'm always thinking in that, in that terminology, the, the first three months of 2024, um, I want to have we're, we're deaf. We already have a guest slated for January. I won't say who it is yet till we get closer, um, but I want to have some more guests on. I want to start revamping having guests on the show again. I know we we slowed down for that this year. We didn't have as many on, I don't think as, as we did in 2023, so, or I'm sorry, 2022. So I think that uh, I want to start doing that again. I think that guests are very helpful, not only to the show, but, but give a lot of good material for the audience and, and different men to go and look at and and uh and listen to and provide a lot of good material so i I want to start pushing for that again um so be on the lookout for more guests coming in early 2024 lord willing um i think over the christmas break too i'm going to probably take a break i'm going to post the episode i did with khalil um that will be the episode for uh, the Christmas weekend. So the the weekend of the twenty third, I think it is, that will be it'll be pre-recorded and it will just come up live and you all can watch it there and enjoy that. Um so Lord willing that will be up then and we can uh you know hope you can kind of take a break, but there will still be some material for you guys to be able to to pull from. So hopefully more to come in, in 2024 and, and more down the road. But thank you all for joining me today. I appreciate your time and attention and Have a great Lord's Day and Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday evening uh, as we talk about apologetics. Take care.